episode 220 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. I'm Eddie Cohn, the host, producer, creator of the show. The show's almost about three years old. Can't believe it. Can't believe I've hit record 220 times. And as always, it's, it's such a joy bringing the show to the airwaves, quote unquote. And it's, it's always a joy to bring special people onto the show. And I'm thrilled to welcome Emily Goodson back onto the show. She was on the, on, I keep saying show, she was on the podcast about three months ago. And we had a great chat, so definitely go back and listen to that that one. But I, I potentially think this one is just as stimulating, maybe even more thought provoking than our other one. Um, just we really have this way of touching on some pretty challenging topics, confusing topics, and I think it's really a thought provoking discussion about technology, awareness, health, alternative ways to find health and balance. I think we live in a world now with a lot of systems in place, be it the technological systems, the healthcare system, the educational system. And it's okay if if you want to sort of create your own path, create your own algorithm. And that's sort of a main theme in our discussion. Emily, by the way, is a public speaker She is a writer. She had an amazing article published in the LA Times. She also writes on Medium. And I'll read this from her website, which is ecgoodson.com. And that's E-C-G-O-O-D-S-O-N.com. She had a brain injury at the age of eight, which which kickstarted an incredible adventure to better understand identity and abilities. Some perceive any difference from mainstream abilities to be a limitation In reality, though, perception is often misleading. Through my speaking, writing, and advising, I teach others to find the hidden value and different thread in their own lives. And I think that's another topic that she and I touch on. You know, I had an autoimmune condition that I was dealing with for many years. And at first, when I was much younger, and I think like many of us, we we think about our shortcomings, our quote-unquote illnesses or sort of ailments as a crutch. But I think you can turn a corner where they actually serve as a stepping stone or a way to help people reach growth, depth, and strength. And that's, that's, what I, that's how I feel right now, and I think Emily feels the same. Certainly, it takes a lot of work to get there, and we're all Obviously, still struggling on our daily paths, but I think Emily's story is is really inspirational, empowering. I think our conversation is a really important reminder to listen to your own instincts, listen to your heart, your feelings about your own path, your own body. You don't have to be like everybody else. You don't have to listen to these these systems and institutions that we've lionized over the years, I think we're all very different. There's a lot of nuance between one person and the next. So I think it's a pretty powerful talk, and I really appreciate Emily taking the time. I get the sense uh, she'll probably be back on the show again because I really enjoy speaking to her about these very complex um, philosophical topics. Uh, So again, you can find Emily at her website, ecgoodson.com. She's also on social at E.C. Goodson. You can find me, of course, at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Please, any questions, send them my way on social. If you'd like, and this would be incredibly helpful, head over to iTunes or Google Play and write a review for this show or share it with your friends. I know there's about 35 million podcasts, so your support is incredibly helpful, and I appreciate it. Um, I have a new book called SSAFY that's available on Amazon or SSAFYoga.com. Emily, again, thanks for taking the time to be a part of the show. And as always, thanks to you for listening, supporting, being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.
I always sort of like jump into the podcast because I often think about um, people's attention spans. Yeah. And like something bothers me about a podcast. Like I'll turn it on in the first like five, ten minutes. Often the, the guests are just saying, so how was your week or how's it going? And it's sort of like, I, I don't care. I just want to get to the nitty gritty. You know, I wanted to start by responding to your question about um, capturing some video to, yeah. to, to release, um, to sort of, you know, um, as marketing for, for our... Tease, tease it up. Yeah. yeah. And so this is something, and the I'm, we're already recording right now, just to let you know. Something that I really okay. s- struggle with as a society is the focus on the visual and it's it's sort of like if if music does not have a video component to it anymore i don't think people can it's almost like they're not the music is 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 not powerful enough on its own it's like we have this van gogh immersive experience Mm. Uh, and it's like van gogh on its own is no longer good enough and I was thinking even about captions on, on reels, and I throw on captions, but I was sort of thinking like, gosh, can anybody absorb information without visually seeing it? It's, it's something that I struggle with. Now, um, I'm, not, you know, I'm not ignorant in the sense that I, I realize that video to promote um, information is is clearly valuable in this day and age but my my heart sort of break there's two points that I want to make my heart breaks because as a musician and as somebody that really relies on my ears so much mm-hmm. like like I feel like I was a dog in another lifetime I feel very conflicted when I am adding to this world that I see that is so superficially uh, based and and visually based. And so I also think nuance and intimacy changes if we know that the camera is on. And so I was just also a little conflicted. Like if, if the camera is on this whole time, like clearly it's on because you and I are talking. Right. But, I, I, you know, I just – I think people act differently – when a camera is on and, and, and I, so those are like, those are my two points. Chew on it. What do you, what do you agree with this? Maybe you disagree with the whole thing. Just what, what are your thoughts? There's a lot there. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot, so much is changing right now. And so much technology is like causing us to change and shift and redefine roles and all of that, you know, as, as you and I've talked about and as we're well aware. And, one of the things that I've been thinking about related to media and technology, because I don't disagree with you. Like, I don't disagree that there does appear to be this, like, penchant right now for video stimulation in your face, kind of, you know, watching. And, and we talked about this last time, right? Like, we talked about it with, like, nobody likes to listen to a record a vinyl anymore right it's it's like a lost art of listening to a vinyl versus like on my iPhone I can be like skip 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 you know (laughs) you know and so that's interesting from a societal perspective to like think about how that media is affecting our attention span you know the other argument or like what I would challenge you on some of that is um we also have to meet people where they are Right. And if we if we have a message that we think is important, Hmm. you know, which comes through in in your music or comes through in my speaking or my writing, you know, part of me is like I have to meet people where they are and I have to accept that right now a large majority of the population is stimulated visually. And that's how maybe I draw them in. It's a tricky line, right? Like, I mean, it's it's a line of like, where do you hold your standard, and where do you meet people where they are? Uh, boy, that is that's the million dollar question that I. And, well, and here's the thing, though you you and I. You said meeting them where they are. Yeah. I, I don't think people. This sounds so dystopian. Uh, I, I think I don't think people even know like what's going on like i don't even th- yeah. 
And I know that sounds, and again, I'm not coming from a place of pretentiousness or like I, my, I'm better than. I just, what I see happening is a dwindling of, of subtext, of nuance, um, sitting still. And so, yeah. you, you know, you're right. You're, you're, we in this case are, are giving them the the technology or the visual because that's where our culture is right now yeah um, but did, you know are we perpetuating it are you know it's yeah i i know this is why i love our chat daddy <laughs> straight to it yeah um Right. It's a huge philosophical question. And I had a little uh, a gem I've been storing up for you because I heard this earlier this week and, and I knew it would interest you. I heard I was I was a clip, actually, a video clip. Actually. So what I was saying, Jordan Peterson, he had this clip and he said that we have created or what we don't think about is that social media has like an unconscious built into it, right? And that kind of took me back for a second because I was like, that's kind of terrifying, right? Like this idea of like, we all have subconscious thoughts, right? Like mm -hmm. we all do, but I'm an aware enough person that I can kind of catch myself in a fear pattern, right? Like I can catch myself and think, okay, I'm like, you shouldn't go down that rabbit hole of if this, if this, if this. But we don't know how that works in the social media space, right? Like it's some kind of weird algorithm of a bunch of people who created it. And then it's like what you click on and what you're probably saying out loud and the phone picks up on. Right. Like I, it was just, it took me back at that. I don't know what you think about but of that, but it was just this interesting thought of me to me of like, yeah. I mean, this machine of social media kind of has its own like, subconscious built into it do you care what people think like is that something that you've um been aware of childhood or you know in college or in your 30s now i mean is it something because i guess my point is is that i'll i'll, I'll personalize it with a quick anecdote i just uh, recorded a, a new sort of demo or song and i shot a video of myself playing it and I'm really proud of it. And I was going to post it on Instagram a couple days mm -hmm. ago. But then I realized I am going to look to my phone for the response. And, and, uh, and I'm maybe not even immediately, but maybe a, a couple days later. And, and, and I just, I don't like how it's, it sort of takes my personal journey of creativity makes it public, although I love performing. That's the that's the strange sort of um, um, paradox here is, is I, I love DJing and I love singing, but there's something about that machine and, and like who's it feeding it to and, and then it, it right. connects me to the phone. I, it, it, it's sort of like, I don't like how it m sort of rips my heart and, and head into, into different pieces. It's strange. Yeah, it's it's a very strange thing. Um, you know, I for me, I mean, of course, growing up, I care, I care about people. Not, of course, right? And there's still certain people in my life who I am always going to care what they think because I respect them so much. And, you know, maybe that's good, bad, the other. You know, it's funny. I, I wrote something yesterday, actually, about one of my New Year's resolutions for this year was to, like, detach from what people think um, of me. And uh, hmm. and that's hard, right? I mean, that's we're wired to for connection and, like, wired to seek approval um, to some degree. But, yeah, it's, it, you know, for me, with this social media stuff is... I've tried to find ways to transcend it, right? And like think, try and remember like, okay, this is not real. Like Emily on Instagram is not the real Emily. Right. You know, Eddie on Instagram is not the, it's, I mean, it's, it, it, it's a, I, you know, I, it's a, a kind of a 2D representation of us. Well, maybe. wait, I, but yeah. I, I, let me push back a bit. Okay. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like when I, oh, yes, sure. You're a video component of yourself, much like I would be on Instagram. But, you know, I get the sense that, I don't, I mean, yes, like I'm probably portraying a more quote unquote confident or outspoken or outgoing person. But, but I, I don't know. I feel like we're similar to who we're portraying on Instagram. That's fair. I mean, I, you're right. I mean, you're right. I'm not saying I'm inauthentic on Instagram. Like I, I totally, everything I post is like my authentic writing, my authentic kind of voice. I guess what I'm saying is like, I had to transcend that idea of like the likes and the comments mm. and all of that is not real, right? Like who it shows up, like, uh, for instance, I had a reel the other day where I wait from when I was in New York about this amazing museum I went to that's um, all about Himalayan art and like healing. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Instagram hated the reel for whatever reason. Yeah. Didn't, sh- nobody, didn't show it to anyone. Nobody liked it. Nobody got like 200 views compared to one of my reels about my travel got. 13,000 views. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's random, right? But that's what I guess I'm saying is like, it's, I've tried to transcend that caring about social media by reminding myself like, this is not real. Whoever's profile or homepage this ends up on, like, it's, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. But but here's the thing, but that's why I struggle. Like here I am a relatively confident (laughs) adult and, (laughs) you know, I still, so I still are am affected by, you know, I I felt so empowered and I and 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 passionate about these new songs that I'm writing and and yeah, part of me feels like it's important to have people see that I'm writing new music and I'm I'm sort of in this process of of potentially recording a new record, um, but I am a confident adult, but. Similarly to you, like I see those numbers at the bottom of the reel and, and it does make me, it, it places a value on what I posted. And I, and I don't know if I'm able to transcend that, the power of that number. And, and yeah. do, I mean, did you feel like your ego or did you feel your emotionality was sort of like affected that day when, when you posted that and saw that that number sort of paled in comparison to other reels? I didn't. Um, I, I didn't, but I, I do think I've been able in the past couple months to kind of transcend this. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, a hundred percent. A couple of years ago, I would have been like, "Oh my gosh, like why not?" You know. Yeah, well, how, why do, don't I? how do you think you've tr- transcended it? Uh, you know, I really look. I've reframed how I look at social media, and I it, it's you know it's interesting. I'm kind of reframed I think how I've looked at all technology right now is and it's interesting getting back to that what you were saying about intimacy and connection right because like that's very much what I crave in my life I mean that's what I wrote about you know I've written about a lot of things it's like I want super intimate relationships right now like period end of story I have no interest in superficiality yeah (laughs) um you know and it's funny to like look at like I don't even text messages to me now have become the new email. Like, I'm like, if you really want to talk to me and have a genuine connection, pick up the phone. Like, pick up the phone, let's have a call. Like, a text to me is like, people send me texts about my business, people send me texts about, you know, logistics stuff. It's like, I, it's like, you know, and so like, I guess it started with the text is like, I'm like, I, this to me is just like, it's like a to-do list, my te- my texting app. Um, you know, it's it's like a to-do list of like, I get this done. You know, it's not how I connect with people. And nor is Instagram or LinkedIn. Um, I mean, I really look at it as it is a marketing function for getting my writing out there, getting my speaking out there. I know it helps people. I mean, that's kind of what motivates me to stay involved with it is like I know it helps people like I get messages all the time about like I it's interesting actually somebody sent me a LinkedIn comment today about like I love that I can connect with you from afar and learn from you from afar 
right? I had posted a, a, a you know, 45 second video clip of a, a speaking engagement I did. And like, that's meaningful, right? Yeah, like that, that, that is, and so that kind of what get, is what, you know, get, keeps me motivated to play the game, quote unquote, is, you know, I, I know my message is helping people. And so it's, it, you know, it's like, you got to play the game to kind of get your message out there. If, if you want to get your message out it, or I don't want to speak for everyone, but for me, I'm like, if I want my message to be out there helping people, I've got to kind of, you know, play this game, meet people where they are. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe you're, maybe you're figuring it out and it's not a flaw of, of mine or it's, it's, no. it's just, um, I, I, and I, it's weird. I, I, peek my head out like I'm, you know, a groundhog or something. And, and just, you know, I certainly will post. Um, it's just, it's strange. I, I don't know. I, I, let me try and figure out how to articulate it. I, I think my main goal is to be a better writer, a better mm. communicator, a better songwriter, a better... Um, podcaster mm. and I'm not where look a friend of mine said I should be on NPR and you know I I would love that I I think that, <laughs> you'd be great on NPR <laughs> <laughs> thank you um but I don't know if this is the insecurity in me but I do think about like time in a day and I need to devote more time towards my craft of, of songwriting and speaking and communicating and writing because I'm not so I always get a little weary like Eddie don't don't spend too much time on social media because you, you still need to improve your your skills as a writer yeah yeah I mean that's 100% right I I and to be honest with you I don't really spend that much time on social media like and we've talked about this like I don't even watch that much TV like I watch maybe a couple hours of TV a week. Um, maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, it all boils down to energy, right? Like what gives you energy and what doesn't give you energy? And like, yeah, have there been periods in my life where social media has not given me energy, energy or are there, you know, um, I see certain posts and it doesn't give me energy, 100%. And it's like, okay, if I'm feeling that, I need to pay attention to that. Um but, I, you know, I think if you, it, what gives me energy is helping people. And when I see that my writing or my speaking is helping people, that gives me a lot of energy. And so, like, you know, being able to transcend kind of how I look at social media is like, it's not like an extension of my soul, if yeah. that makes sense. And I guess that's what I was good at with the real thing. Like, it's not like Instagram is not my soul. It's not like, like the top five closest people to me in my life know like the inner, inner, inner Emily, you know, this is like, it's an authentic kind of piece of me, but it's not all of me. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if that, that isn't a complete thought, but that's kind of how I've been thinking about it. Um, do a lot of Kundalini yoga, Eddie. Do a lot of like meditations, and yeah. maybe that's what's helping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I guess the last sort of area. Um, I think our lives are heavily influenced, and and one could say, Eddie, you focus too much thought and awareness. Um, towards social media and technology. But when I take a step back mm. and think about how much of our lives technology has seeped into, you know, and it's weird. I think about like when the television came around, um, you know, there were three channels and we had those three channels for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And then Cable came along after 30 years of just having, and it could have been even longer, cable came along very slowly. Uh, yeah. And then we only had HBO and Showtime for 10 years. And yeah. I think um, it's like we had time to sort of digest them and, and implement them on our own terms into our lives. 
And now it just feels like the technology is this living, breathing entity that whether you want it to or not, um, it's just, it's like the blob. It's just like covering. And so that's just, you know, and, and I sense it and, and, in my life, and, and I think I'm just very thoughtfully aware and thinking about how it can distract me or, or change my emotionality. Or, you know, I, I just went on vacation and I took photos, but I certainly didn't post anything on Instagram while, while I'm away because knowing my personality, it is going to take me away from that moment of being on vacation. and and. And I think it's 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 almost pernicious. I know pernicious sort of has this negative connotation to it, but it I, I just I think it's it's stripping a lot of the intrinsic, uh, deeper core values away. And 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 I guess I, I'm just very cautious with how mm-hmm. I add it into my life. I think that's right. I mean, I think that's what all of us should be doing with anything in our lives, right, is being intentional about how we're adding it in. I mean, one of, you know, I say this to a lot of people, it's like, you are the sum of the, you know, five people you hang out with or talk with the most, right? Like, I mean, you are heavily, just like technology, like the people you surround yourself with, you're going to be heavily influenced by them, good, bad, the other, um, and so, you know, I think what you're doing with technology is is the model all of us should use for anything, right? It's like, let me be thoughtful about who I'm hanging out with a lot. Like, are they, are we doing things that are giving me energy and helping me grow? Or, are you know, are we, is this person, you know, taking me back? Like, you know, those are questions I ask myself. And, and then I think on the technology side, like, you aren't wrong. I mean, you know, things, society is moving so fast now. I mean, and, and I think my takeaway is I don't think there's any way to escape it. I think the cat, cat is out of the bag. The horse has left the barn. Like, whatever yeah. analogy there is. But it's like social media is not going anywhere. It's, you know, and it's like, neither is technology, you know, I mean, neither is AI, like, none of this is going anywhere. And so it's it, the, the, the question is, how do you transcend it or figure out a way to work with it without um, diminishing kind of your energy and your power? I went through a lot of health issues as a kid. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. This will transition to sort of current and also health. Um, And I think it left a lot of mental scars. I think when something happens to you um, as a child, it could be divorce, it could be health, uh, it could be losing a parent at a young age. I think... um, it leaves a scar. And I've, yeah. I've been through a journey of, of finding balance and mental health and confidence and strength. And I, you know, I've been off medication for over 25 years and I'm really a, a big advocate of, of eating well and exercising every day. And people have said, you know, I'm like a victory story and, and my story should be shared and, um, but I, it's it's weird. Like, I often think of my like I almost don't even know who that person was anymore. And in fact, I've been wondering if yeah. if I've I've even been wondering if my physical ailment was a result of mental sort of toxicity and anxiety in the air. Like like did I believe the illness was there, but did it come from sort of underlying anxiety? Um, that was never um, diagnosed. And so I guess my, my question is, is, well, 
I guess there's a couple, like when did you feel like your story, your path was something that you felt that you should be talking about and sharing? And I guess this sort of leads to something we talked about on on the phone a few weeks ago was like, sometimes I wonder like, part of the reason why I feel like I, I stopped talking about my health issues and getting over them is that I, I don't want to be a part of that person anymore. Like, I feel like I'm a, yeah. I'm a new, yeah. so I, I don't know. There's a lot there, but. There's a lot there. I mean, I love everything you just said. It's, it, I, I love this. Um, I think the first thing I want to touch on, cause I've been obsessed with this recently is, um, you may have seen, I, I, I wrote a little something about this. Um, I listened to this great podcast with Aubrey Marcus and um, Aaron Rodgers, like Packers Aaron Rodgers. Uh-huh, sure. And they were talking about, you know, they had both been to Greece and they had done this like healing tour. And um, they talked about like, you know, it's it's almost sort of a lost art of the ancient Greeks, you know, where they were, I think it was in Ephesus. And, you know, they, they learned about how when the Greeks what the Greeks believed about healing was like they healed the spirit first. And so like they talked about, you know, how ritualistically people would, you know, walk around a temple or, or do different rituals. Then they worked on the mind. And then lastly, the body, um, which I think is so interesting, you know, because you talk about, or, you know, I think what I heard you talk about was like, you know, was there that mental component to what was manifesting physically for you? Yeah. I certainly believe that for myself. Like I certainly, you know, it's funny. I, I can't remember how much we've talked about. We talked about this last time. I don't, I don't think we talked about a healing a time. I think we talked more about dating, yeah. um, but the, the heal. So I have been working with an osteopath for probably two years now. Um, I've been seeing osteopath, osteopath every couple of weeks and um, for people listening, like I had no idea what an osteopath was until I really moved to California. It was nothing I had been exposed to on, I grew up on the East coast and, um, you know, the osteopaths work on a lot of my involuntary nervous system. And, you know, I, I, I went to, see, you know, it's kind of a funny thing. Cause like I went to see one, the first doctor I saw, you know, he said, well, what, you know, why are you here? And I said, well, I want to, I want to walk like everyone else. Like I want to walk without a limb. I want to walk in a way that like uses my energy uh, appropriately. Right. Because yes, like I get around just fine, but you know, there is an element to this that I think about, like, as I grow older, the wear and tear on my body. Yeah. You know, there there is a very real element to this. If I can make some small tweaks to my gait, it may give me more energy. It may prevent some bone, you know, wearing down of bones, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I've been working with these osteopaths for a while now. And um, I think that plus I've been doing kundalini yoga regularly for about a year now. And um, before that, I was doing it kind of once a month here and there. Those two combined have had such significant shifts on me mentally that I think when the mental shifts happen, the physical shifts are easier to make. Hmm. You know, and my osteopath said this a couple weeks ago. He said, um, you know, they were working on my um, sacrum. I think they do a lot of work on like the sacrum, which is like, you know, in the pelvic region, like Mm -hmm. center of the hips. And um, he has students who work with him. And, and he said to one of the students, he said, you know, you, you did a great job freeing up her, I don't know, some kind of C1, C2, something in the spinal thing. And he said, you know, his point was, he was like, you did a great job of freeing up the tension up there. And she needs that freed up because when that's freed up, she can focus on bending her knee more, lifting her ankle, like, because it's, again, like, it's it's all back to this energy, right, of, like, the mental and the physical are so connected of, like, you know, I think you or I've had to heal mentally before I could heal a lot of things physically. And I, you know, th- this goes back to dating, actually, right? It's like, 
I wasn't in a place to date somebody until I like mentally got myself kind of out of that um, trauma place, right? Of yeah. like, you know, I, I kind of had to like get over that mental, some of those mental hurdles. So um, I'll you, pause there because that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you feel, and this is something that I've been struggling with too, just some other health issues have come up recently. Did you feel like the Western world of medicine sort of mm -hmm. like just said, uh, this is how you're going to be for the rest of your life. Uh, yeah. There's nothing we can really do for you. Um, I do. So that, that, I, that's what they're there. So, and here, my point is, is that I, I guess, and I got so frustrated with the world of COVID and I know that word is very triggering to people, but it just, yeah. I, I just, I don't like the world of the West where it's just take these pills uh, yeah. and, if, and, and there's not much else I, else I can do, but I was just curious, you know, how that happened with you. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's funny. I, you probably haven't seen this, but I have a, a video clip that I uh, came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Verizon put it out because I did some work with Verizon and some of their startups they're sponsor sponsoring. And literally, it's a direct quote from the video where I say, like, I felt like the medical world 30 years ago after my brain injury said, this is how you're going to walk and this is just the way it is. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. And and, and I accepted that, you know, I, you know, I didn't even think to question it. And so back to your original or your question a couple of minutes ago about my story and why it matters is like, I think I've started to see or why I wanted to talk about it is um, I started to see so many positive benefits of healing myself through osteopathy and these other things that I'm doing. And I'm like, holy shit, like no one knows about this. And like, if I can change one child's life by talking, you know, their parent hears me talking about some kind of new healing modality, like a lot of the healing modalities I'm trying right now, like they would have dramatically changed my life if I had known about them when I was eight. Hmm. Um, and my life has been the way it is for a reason. And, you know, there, there is, you know, I'm very much a believer in, you know, the universe's timing and things happen, you know, hopefully in alignment with kind of our highest destiny. And I, you know, I think I very much have a, have a story that probably people need could benefit from hearing about and um, will hopefully help them. But um, yeah, I mean, some of these healing modalities I'm learning about are just incredible. And, you know, I don't know if it's a product of where I grew up. I don't know if it's a product of, it's probably a product of that, probably a product of like, People didn't ask as many questions. People just didn't know about these kind of modalities. Like, you know, and that is what it is. But I, you know, one thing I just want to share real quick is I'm super excited, actually, because next week I'm mm -hmm. going, I don't even know if I told you this. I'm going to Oaxaca. Where? And Oaxaca in Mexico. Okay. Um, and I'm working with a woman who's an indigenous Mayan healer. Wow. and. We're, I'm spending two days with her, and she's going to do, like, a, a an energetic cleanse with me. She's going to take me on a soul journey, and she's going to do a temescal with me, which is, like, a traditional Mayan kind of steam ritual. Um, that sounds amazing. I'm, I'm so excited, Eddie. I can't even tell you. Like, I think it's going to be life-changing. because And she, back to kind of the original point here, you know, I've done, we've, we've talked a little bit over WhatsApp and yeah, I told her a little bit about like, you know, I, she also, she's like, what are you looking for? What do you want? What do you want to get out of this experience? And so I told her some of my story and, and her response, and I didn't, I just told her the facts. I didn't give her my interpretation of anything, but her response was, she said, I think there are some things going on mentally and energetically and potentially, you know, what she sees is like from past lives that may be affecting you physically, you know, and, and it's just, you can't, regardless of whether you believe in past lives, I think, I, I mean, I can't deny that like there are things that go on mentally that, you know, affect your ability to change things physically. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think, there, I, 
I think we've been raised into a world of, of systems and, mm-hmm. and sort of the system of healthcare, um, for better or for worse, has been lionized. And, and I don't know if it's because they, they go to school longer than most people. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's because of the uniform. And look, clearly there's great doctors. Um, yeah. But there's this, there was this guy on the Bill Maher show where he was diagnosed with Lyme disease and, and the doctors were offering suggestions and nothing was working. And then finally he went uh, through his own desires, started seeking alternative modalities. Yeah. And, I, and I think for the vast majority of people, a lot of what doctors suggest uh, works. But yeah. I think there's nuance and I, I think... Um, Look, I could go to one yoga teacher and, and, and there's just sort of this warmth about her that like instantly I connect with and, and she makes me feel yeah. better. And But, you know, you could go to the same person and not feel the same thing. I mean, I, it's just it's so right. there's just such a complexity to the human species. And I yeah. think we are selling ourselves short as as a species culturally if we're only taking uh, one perspective and not exploring uh, all these other modalities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one size does not fit all. No. Like, no. And I, you know, I look, I agree with you. The neurosurgeon who operated on me at age eight probably saved my life, right? Like, I mean, he's an incredible human. There are incredible doctors and nurses out there and kind of the, you know, allopathic, which is the more traditional Mm -hmm. medicine realm. But I think the point is there are alternatives to that that work for people that are not mainstream. You know, and it's it's funny. I think we talked a little bit about one of the books I'm working on um, is around this idea of value and what our society values and how I have lived a life of, you know, what people would conventionally call not value. Right, like a lot of people would say to you, having a physical disability is not a valuable way to live your life. I would completely disagree. Like, it has brought so much value to me that I, you know, can go on for, for, you know, hours about. But I think, you know, the other example of this is like alternative medicine or holistic medicine, I'll call it, is like that is not seen, at least in the United States conventionally as something valuable to look into. And um, I have this vision and I don't know how it's going to manifest. I don't know if it's a podcast where I talk about these different modalities I've tried. Um, there's, there's a lot of important stuff here and it's the same modality does not work for everyone. To your point, like I've tried um, Reiki, like Reiki is a good example. A lot of my friends love Reiki. I've, it doesn't do it for me. Like it, it's okay, but yeah. it's not the same effect that I get from osteopathy. Um, but you know, it's, I have to share the story cause it's, I was talking to a friend yesterday and um, he's been in a wheelchair for 12 years. He went to a seminar with uh, Joe Dispenza, who mm-hmm. is a, a doctor and he did a walking meditation. I mean, he literally did a walking meditation and I asked him yesterday, I said, you know, how long, can you do that? And he can do a walking meditation for an hour now. I mean, that is, that's a miracle. Like that's incredible. And you know, the funny thing is I asked him, I said, um, something to the effect of like, you know, had you, were you not able to do this before Dispenza's workshop? And he said, I don't know because I didn't try. Like I didn't think I could. Right. And, and, and that really resonated with me because I'm very much the same way of like, um, like a good, what's a good example? Like I, um, like for a long, long time, I didn't think I could get up off the floor leading with my left foot, which is my weaker foot. I thought I always had to do it with the right. And I don't think I ever tried because when I was a child, a PT literally push me to the ground over and over again to teach me to get up on the right side because they thought, yeah, they thought, and they're not wrong. Like they, they knew that it was better for me to fall on the right side because the bones are stronger, 
not as likely to break. So they taught me to fall on the right side and then they taught me to get up from the right side. They're not wrong, but like the, 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 the effect of that is I didn't establish those kind of neural pathways in my brain to, to, to get up on the left side. Right. And so back in the fall, I was leaving something in a neighbor's mailbox, hopped off his steps without thinking fell was so embarrassed because I didn't want him to come out of the house and see me on the sidewalk that I just quickly hopped up on the left and it wasn't until after the fact that I was like oh my god I just got up on the I'm leading with my left foot you know and so now you know to this connection to this story about meditation it's like I I just believe there are some things that we don't we are programmed to think we're not capable of We perceive them as limitations, but we are capable of them. You brought up an interesting point that that I've thought of. Like, clearly, what was the diagnosis that you had when you were a kid what, what was it a stroke similar to a stroke so it, it was an abnormal vas- vascular malformation okay which is essentially that uh, the brain formed oddly um and so there, there was this abnormal malformation in the brain stem and so because the brain had formed oddly it, it started to bleed and so then that was the issue is that it was bleeding. And here, actually, Addie, here's a prime example. And um, like, I mean, kudos to my parents here because we went, so when it started bleeding, we were in, uh, I was with my dad and my brother in, in uh, outside of DC um, at Mount Vernon, which is a historical site. And um, how old are you here? Started, he, I was eight. Oh, and was you eight. did and you and, it's weird. The way uh, that hold on, the way you're saying yeah. don't, the way you're saying it, like when my brain started bleeding, one would think about like a cut in their arm and I and I would see the blood coming out of my arm. But you weren't aware that it was bleeding at this point. I you know, it's uh, I no, I was not okay. consciously aware. But this is it's a fascinating story because um so we're at Mount Vernon and um I fell and started limping. No doubt, because the brain was bleeding, right? And it's getting all over, blood's getting all over everything. Well, wait, hold on. And, I'm sorry. And please don't forget, yeah. I'm just asking questions. No, this is great. Did you, did you fall because there was a, uh, the uh, bleeding in the brain, or did you fall and hit your head, and then that, that caused the bleeding? You know, I love this question, and I love it because I had never thought about this until... I think it's actually a healer that I've started to work with, an incredible healer. She does myofascial healing. She's up in Reseda. She's incredible. I started working with her about a month ago, and she asked me the same question. And I was like, you know, I'm not sure because the the post-op paperwork says that the night before I fe- you know, the night before all this happened, I had been roughhousing with my brother, hmm. and I had hit my head. But, like, nobody had any sort of... Um, definitive answer on this right so you know roughhousing the night before next day i fall start limping what happened and this woman i mean she's just incredible she said to me okay would you remember falling and i said yeah i do like i remember falling she said well how did you fall and i said well i fell forward like i remember falling forward on the ground at mount vernon and she's like well then emily your brain was already bleeding like Mm. you because you didn't hit your head like, because my injuries in the brainstem, which is the back of the head, she was like, you didn't hit the back of your head when you fell. Interesting. So, okay. Fat, yeah, fascinating. But like, I mean, love this woman because she's, you know, so, so thoughtful. But anyway, fell, um, started limping. My dad didn't really think anything of it. You know what? Kids fall all the time. And then we got to the hotel where we were staying and he asked me to press the elevator button. And at that point, I reached across my body with my right arm and I like grabbed my left arm and lifted it up and moved it forward to push the elevator oh, button. Wow. I know. And at that point, my dad was like, oh, shit. Like, we, yeah, this is not good. Um, but so two points I want to make. 
is it gives me chills to this day to read this. I have the the post-op paperwork from when this happened. This is 93. It was a long time ago. And all the notes are like handwritten. <laughs> it's like, you know, the documentation is not great, but you know, I've read the the notes and um when they interviewed my my dad, the doc when the neurologist eventually interviewed my dad, uh he is quoted as saying that he asked me after I fell if my like wrist was bothering me. And my little precious eight-year-old self said, no, there's something else wrong. <laughs> Interesting. Right? Yeah. I mean, just like it gives me chills, right? So like, no, I didn't probably consciously could verbally say my brain is bleeding. But like, I just, you know, to me, that's, whenever I doubt myself, like I think back to that, right? Like I think, Emily, you always, you knew, like you knew even then that there was something bigger wrong. And like, you know, and so it's, you know, I have these um, moments now in my career where I'm like, I know this is going to happen. Like I just have this feeling that this is going to happen at some point, or I'm going to meet this person, or I'm going to reconnect with this person. Like there's, you know, and it, and I, I find myself, like, the thing I'm working on is, like, doubt will creep in, right? It's like, oh, I'm like, how do you know that? And and then I try and remind myself, like, no, I do. Like, there is some deep inner knowing that I think we all have. And, or at least I question that sometimes. So, Well, the thing that I'm resonating, yeah. yeah, the thing I'm resonating with, and you said it earlier, is is how you value You've grown to value, and I, I don't mean to put words into your mouth, but you've grown to value the the disability, quote unquote, because it's it's made you who you are, and yeah. and, and I feel uh, I certainly didn't feel like this in my teens and, and my early twenties when I was had a relapse and was dealing with my autoimmune condition again. But you know now as I reflect back and I'm older. Um, I appreciate who it's turned me into. Um, You know, look, I've got major hypochondria. Um, I certainly have anxiety issues. And I I think, speaking to other my friends, if you're sort of like home base, quote unquote, or if if it's uprooted, if if you're not feeling emotionally stable or trusting that things are going to go okay, and I'm not particularly very religious. I, I think it's hard for a lot of people to trust that um, everything's going to be okay. Like I can often mm. go to the, oh, like the worst is going to happen. And, and I hate that about yeah. me. But but I I, yeah. I understand why I'm that way. Um, totally. Yeah. And I was that, that way too. I mean, I think it's, you know, um, Oprah has this book uh, with, uh, Dr. Bruce Perry, I think is his name, came out last year about what it's called What Happened to You. And they say in the book, they're like, the earlier the trauma, the like, basically more work it is to to rise above it, right? Mm. I think that's what you're hitting at. Well, is like, yeah, and, and sort of my earlier point, as a kid, you know, and you're asking that question, and even thinking, you know, what was the cause of, of, of the brain injury? And and, yeah. and and back then when I was 12, when I was going through the health stuff, I I don't even know if I was aware to ask the questions or I just sort of I just sort of succumbed to this is my life. This is how it is. Correct. But That's, now yeah. but now that I'm older and I'm really thinking about who I am and how the mental plays such a role, I've really been like reflecting and thinking about I, look, I'm not denying that these autoimmune conditions exist, but I've got other friends that have recently been diagnosed with lupus or uh, RA. Yeah. They were all in a very anxious state of mind, be it a new child, be it a, a work, uh, be it yeah. a moving, and lo and behold, they are diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think that my takeaway is like, I think there's a lot here that's under researched, and I think there's a lot we don't know about the connection between the mental and the physical. And you know, it's my uh, my mother has um, very severe early onset Alzheimer's, and it did not run in our family. You know, it this kind of came out of the blue. 
right? And so I, you know, I've been doing a lot of research into this, and there, there's so much re- emerging research on the effects of meditation to prevent Alzheimer's, the effect of listening to like a mantra. Um, you know, there's a, some really interesting work out of UCLA by a woman who who is like playing mantras for hmm. people with Alzheimer's, like Asian mantras, and you know, it's helping them. And um, this guy, Doc Amen, uh, just did a bunch of work on. He has a book coming out about this about like Alzheimer's, and obviously it's a brain disease, but like how anxiety affects it, and how diet and alcohol affects you know different things affect it much more than having the gene. Mm. Um, and I, one point I wanted to make going back to what we were saying earlier about questioning is, um, yeah, my parents, like God bless them. It's, you know, so when, when the brain, when my brain started bleeding, we went to, um, Fairfax hospital, general hospital, it's in like Virginia and they stopped the bleeding. And as we're leaving, they, said they were like well all the best to you we hope it doesn't bleed again <laughs> i know i mean I'm like my parents nice words of encouragement Thanks, yeah right and so um you know then like by you know providence um we got connected to um uh, you know, a family friend knew a neuro, a very, you know, kind of prominent neuro neurologist up at Massachusetts General in Boston, which is, you know, and Mass General is just doing, continues to do, you know, kind of renowned neuroscience work. And um, um, got on, you know, she connected us and this neurologist, a pediatric neurologist called my parents later that day. And he was like, this is like a dire situation. You need to get her up here immediately. Right. And so like, then we go to Boston and, and thankfully we had the resources to be able to do that, you know, like people to take care of my siblings and the money to get up there and all this, um, you know, and that's when in Boston, that's when they said, all right, we're operating and taking this thing out because if we don't, it could bleed over and over again. And yeah. she won't know, you know, it, it could, you know, it's, it could get a lot worse, right. It could be, um, mortal. Um, and, and, and so back to that point, like, it's like, we really have to advocate for ourselves. And like at that age, you know, I couldn't advocate for myself. And thankfully my parents did. Um, and this family friend, right. Who, who suggested had that connection, but it's, it's scary to me. And, you know, to kind of put a bow on what we were talking about earlier, like that's one of the reasons I tell my story is because, it breaks my heart to think of a little child like who needs this information and doesn't have it. Um, you know, it's just heartbreaking. Um, do you know how, I, do you know how rare what happened to you is? Um, I couldn't give you a number, but it's very rare. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I talk about this with my current osteopath cause <laughs> He and I have been on, he calls it the hunt, um, quote unquote, like we've been on a hunt for like two years to find people who can actually help me. Like, and he's mm. had me going to like an orthotist. He's had me going to like, I mean, I've talked to so many ex- experts and he told me, he's like, you're going to write a book that's like a healing database for people based on everything you've done. Um, and I've invested thousands of dollars into this because, yeah. it, you know, Needless to say, of course, insurance doesn't cover osteopathy or the myofascial work or any of this. But I'm doing it because I think it's important. And, you know, anyway, my osteopath, he was like the the experts, like your case is so specialized that like they're really, it's, there's not an expert. And the, the, the challenge we come up against is a lot of people are so specialized in their medical profession, right? They're focused on feet or they're focused on arms or they're focused on skin or they're focused on the brain. You know, they're, they're so specialized that they don't think systematically about how it's going to affect me. Right. And so that's one of the things that we continue to look for and have discussions about is like, for instance, um, somebody wanted me recently to get a a surgery to lengthen my left heel cord because the idea Mm -hmm. is like, if they lengthen the heel cord, my left um, heel will hit the ground when I walk, 
which will then affect, you know, enable me to have a better gait and um, not put as much strain on my tail. So it's like, okay, well, you know, kind of isolated, that sounds correct. But then my doc, you know, my osteopath is like, okay, but let's think about this holistically. Like you have walked like that, this for 30 years. Like if we do that kind of a dramatic change to you, like, is that going to make things better or is it going to make you unable to, you know, how big of a, an impact is that going to make? And so it's, you know, it's hard to find, I think within the medical community right now, what I'm finding is like, everyone is so specialized and my case is so rare, but like, let's not just focus on me. Like tons of people have rare medical things. Like, you know, to your point, like one size doesn't fit all. And I think, you know, COVID is showing us and like other things are showing us like new, new diseases and new complications are popping up every day. Yeah. Um, and it, it, for me, it's been like this interesting journey of like everyone is so specialized that I'm my best advocate. Like I know my body better than anyone. And I like will make every decision about my body. Like I'm very big on that. And it's like, because I've lived in this body and I have studied it actively for 30 years. And like, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 I guess what I'll say to wrap this up is like, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of awareness. Um, and it's, it is this like kind of unending search for, what is the right healing modality? And I don't think, you know, I don't, my takeaway here is like, I don't think this is unique to me because of my physical differences. Like, I think everyone probably should go through a similar journey to some extent. Um, Because getting back to that, you know, mentally, we all have things going on, patterns that we need to change. And those modality that works for me is not going to work for you right yeah it may but it may be a combination it could be something completely different and i think you know that's what i'm trying to have people take away is like yeah i mean a lot of what i'm experiencing in the physical is interesting but like there's a message here for everyone like we all have you know perceived kind of limitations that we have to work through yeah and I think you're just inspiring me to say, just in closing, I think that's ultimately sort of, look, I, I live my own life. I, I, I've never felt comfortable offering advice. I'm a firm advocate in believing that um, people need to find their own way. And, and you could tell mm-hmm. somebody that they need help or this would work, but ultimately it's going to take them on the inside uh, to make that decision yeah. for themselves to see an acupuncturist or a therapist or whomever, uh, but yeah. I, I do think it's we we all have that power to make our own decisions, have an awareness, but sort of in full circle. I, I just I think one of the sort of underlying uh, symptoms or effects of this this influx of tech is that it is mm-hmm. it is changing people's ability to slow down, tune in, understand their own thoughts and beliefs. And is it really their own or is it, you know, some algorithm that uh, path that they were down? So, yeah, I just that's why I think that these are um, important discussions, because if, if more people are not making their own decisions and they're being led down these algorithmic paths, uh, we're under, we're going to yeah. we're going to end up speaking to sort of. Uh, two-dimensional zombie versions of actual right. human beings. So I know. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah. What's, is there anything, um, is there anything for you to plug or anything new or th- that you want to share before I let you go? Um, anything new that I want to plug? Yeah. So actually on this discussion, well, I don't know when this podcast will come out, but, um, I'm actually having a conversation about a lot of this on September 18th. Um, oh, it'll come up before that. All right, cool. Okay, lovely. So I'm having, um, I'm going to be in New York that week, and um, my leadership coach and I are actually having a discussion about healing modalities at our yoga studio in New York. 
It's on the Lower East Side, um, Rama, New York City. And um, it's a conversation about healing modalities and how there are two meditations that I've used, kundalini yoga meditations that I've used to kind of reset my brain um, and reset some of my patterns. So that's happening. Um, there's not an RCP up yet, but there will be. Um, and then I'm speaking, I think this is hot off the press, but I think I'm going to speak at DC Startup Week um, September, earlier that week, so it be on September 15th. Um, and this is completely other side of the spectrum, but I'm talking about one of my research areas is the effect of diversity, equity, inclusion, and kind of social justice movements, like the intersection of that on employer brand and on products. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to do a session on that, um, at DC startup week. And that's, that's that I, we can't even get into that. I know. Go off, well, it'd be a whole another hour. It's a whole other world. <laughs> Um, it is, yeah. So we're gonna say bye, but don't actually don't actually hang up because then I want to tell you okay. something. Um, well, Emily, okay. as always, it's great to have these these fascinating, enlightening discussions with you. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. That's, it's such a pleasure. I love our chats very much. I'll I'll speak to you very soon. Okay, right. sounds good. Bye. Bye.